And I think the contrast, it's also important to realize that the contrast is set up already that these students have a desire to do things for themselves. Right. Prior to meeting Keating, prior to all of that, because they're finding ways to, in this really rigid society, do whatever they can to show their own independence. But that's what the carpe diem is, because he's not telling them to become interested in things, right? He's not telling them to have passions, because they already have passions. They already have interests. Right. He's telling them to act on them now. Don't wait. Yeah. Don't think that, you know, your time at Welton is going to pass, and then you'll have all this time to yourself, and you'll be free. You know, don't wait for freedom. You have to seize the freedom today. Welcome to the Unexamined Education. My name is Jonathan Ali. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, Sean Dalrymple. In our conversations, we draw upon our experience as educators to gain insight into the essence of teaching and learning. We hope that our discussions inspire and benefit you, whether you are a teacher, administrator, student, parent, or anyone else that understands the importance of education in the life of the human being. Good evening, John. Good evening, Sean. So... We're having to record in the evening again because our morning sessions are compromised over and over again by our last-minute decisions to change things in our podcast. Yes, so, right, yeah. <laughs> so we, we have to find times to time and place now to record at other times in the week. And now I'm also, because of the recording quality that I've, I've been asked to improve upon, I am now <laughs> yes. in a closet. Right. <laughs> At and an undisclo- undisclosed location. Undisclosed. <laughs> it sounds it sounds so weird, but yes, right. it's feeling it's feeling rather claustrophobic, but very little chance of interruptions here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. So we can concentrate and focus on this on this movie review. Yes, and the clothes around me. <laughs> so we are doing a movie review again. Another so-called, so-called by us, super teacher movie. Right. This genre that we've created. Right. Right. The genre that I've promised to be totally annoyed with. And yet here again, we're about to review another movie that's quite good, actually. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to talk about Dead Poets Society starring Robin Williams. This movie came out in 1989. And it's a movie that you and I and everyone from our generation or our age group will be very familiar with because it was a, it was a popular and well-liked movie for us and I think it's probably still prominent I'm I'm guessing that people still know about this movie and have heard of it but I may be wrong about that but comparing it to the other movie review that we did Stand and Deliver it came out uh, one year it was released one year later than that and it has more universal themes it's a more sort of philosophical movie about the human experience uh, whereas Stand and Deliver was more about preparing for a test <laughs> I think, yes, I agree. It's more philosophical, although I think think Jaime Escalante might be a little uh, peeved with that description that the movie is about preparing for a test. Right. Yeah, I apologize. I say that mostly just for effect, not not to... But how, what are your memories of this movie, Sean? So I remember it being a really inspiring movie, and I... I think I watched it sort of background, paid attention to it being on once or twice when someone else, I I don't know. It it doesn't feel like a movie that showed up on TV, but I know I've seen it a couple of times since it came out. Right. And, And I feel like I didn't pay much mind to it. I 
think I remember thinking that, oh, yeah, you know, this is a good movie to sit down and watch if you need to feel inspired to be a teacher. Right. And I never did much analysis of it. But now that we've done quite a bit of uh, talking about it prior to the recording, uh, I'm really appreciating the, the, the how clever it is, how it, right. like as a story, it, it's built so well. Right, uh, that, right. Yeah, the, there's a lot to take from this movie. Right. And as especially as English teachers, you and I, we know a, a, a literary work that lends itself to analysis and we know how to appreciate that. And I think this movie definitely lends itself and, and withstands a lot of analysis. And there's a lot of ways you can look at it and understand what's going on in, in the movie. And I was impressed with it, too. When I watched it in order to do this movie review, my expectation was that, yeah, I was really impressed with it when I was a teenager, but maybe that won't happen again now as a as a wise and experienced adult but you know i was i was impressed with it it made me laugh it made me cry and all of those things so it's a really good movie <laughs> yeah I, I was even trying to be hypercritical of it because i was skeptical about the way that it makes that it makes you cry i feel like yeah. it wasn't much of a there wasn't much creativity in the and the drama, which is the... the right. I, I, I feel like I should say spoiler before I <laughs> say any more. Yeah, we're going to get into spoilers yeah. for sure. Spoiler yeah. immediately ahead. But yeah, in the, yeah. In the drama and impact of a, of a student suicide, I was being very critical of it. And, and you and I talked a bit about it. And, and really, it does seem to be that this, this film, it doesn't really glorify suicide in any way. But it is, it's an impactful moment that I think brings the theme uh, and the concern with mortality as a human really home for brooding. Yeah, and that's something, of course, a, a prominent event in this movie, plot event, is the suicide of one of the, the major characters, one of the students of, of the super teacher. So, Sean, did you want to, this is something we don't really want to focus on too much as a topic of the movie, but it is something that kind of, if you don't say anything about it, it maybe seems like you're not paying enough attention to it. So, did you want to address anything about the fact that there's a suicide in yeah, this movie? Yeah, I mean, the I, I think the... Uh, the, the issue that, that Neil, the student, runs into is it he feels that he won't have agency in his life. Right. And I think that's that's so carefully portrayed throughout the movie and, and all of these avenues that he has to escape from it. And there's a certain task that he can't he, he can't explain things to his father. And when he feels that he's lost agency, that seems to be the moment where he has to express his agency in the only way that he can think of, which is, is right. by killing himself. Right. And, and then the, the reason this is an important plot point is, is because this is used to turn the blame of Neil's suicide to someone else. And it's right. turned towards uh, Robin Williams' character, uh, Keating, the teacher, right. Mr. Keating, or O'Captain. And uh, it's it's a you know it's a disturbing thing to see happen, uh, but it's certainly to me uh, the more I reflected on it, the more I felt like yeah this is a this is a depiction of life as it sometimes is in, in all of its uh, unfortunate moments. And right. so you know it's there. It's it's an important part of the story, and and I think we we're not going to really focus on it beyond, I think, talking about it right now, just to say that right. we, we get it. We get why it's there. Or I get right. it, rather. I think you understood. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> but, but I was like, yeah. why do you have to have a kid kill himself? And yeah, Exactly. Right. And of course, all the, the disclaimers that, that these days 
people typically give when when suicide comes up are all relevant you know and appropriate here which are that this is and even in the movie I don't think it glorifies the suicide or portrays it in a way that might inspire someone to do that but of course in talking about a movie with suicide in it we don't intend in any way to for it to be come like an option that would be in a person's mind that otherwise wouldn't be. Yeah. And I'm, I think the, the thing to, to say is, is that it's, you know, there is an avenue in front of Neil so that he doesn't go down this path and he, he fails to see it. Uh, and it's unfortunate because Keating directly tells him what it is. Right. Uh, and right. so the, the real misfortune here is, is, is that that's not evident. Sure. That's right. not evident to so many people, not just Neil. It's not, it's not easy to be Neil. There's no doubt about it. But the tragedy is, is in, the, in the failure of agency, I think. Losing hope. Yeah. Okay, so that's one thing we wanted to just kind of mention before we get into the to the details of the movie. There's a kind of list of things that we made that we feel like it's important just to get them, get them out of the way the same we did right. with Stand and right. Deliver. <laughs> right, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> and so we're just going to go through those quickly just to just so our listeners know that we're not blind, we're not unaware of these <laughs> things. <laughs> because Because this movie was released in 1989, and it's just amazing how culture has changed and expectations have changed since then, so... We want to <laughs> signal to some extent that we're aware of these things. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's... So one thing is that what's immediately clear is that the world that this story takes place, in, the world in which this story takes place is a world of white male privilege. It's a male boarding school. It's a prep school. So the, the students come from wealthy families. They're all white. And again, they're all male because it's a boys' school, which might lead one to, to feel that that hurts its legitimacy as a work of art from which universal understandings can be can be gained or universal insights can be gained. And that's a discussion in itself. It's a more of a literary, perhaps political discussion. But we do feel that there's a lot to understand from this movie. It's, it, there's a lot of good material for discussion, especially about education, which is our main goal in, in reviewing this movie and talking about it. But of course, one has to kind of suspend, maybe this is where suspend disbelief was, <laughs> suspension of disbelief. <laughs> so to a certain extent, you have to, you know, if, if, if a person, if a viewer finds it necessary to overlook those things, then, then that's the only way you can really appreciate it and enjoy it. But anyone who can't, who finds that they can't overlook those things, those limitations of the narrative, let's say, then that will stand in the way of gaining any kind of uh, universal insights from it. Right. This is why we point to themes, right? And so in in terms of themes of relatability, of thinking for oneself, choosing one's own path, conformity versus individuality, these are important themes to the movie that if you can just get your mind into that mode, that's, uh, that's where I think most of the insights come from. Right, right. I talked to my wife about this. My wife was really inspired by this movie when she saw it as as a teenager to the point where, you know, she was probably writing carpe diem in her notebooks, you know, and <laughs> it was like really gave her, you know, the slogan to to go by. And right. when we were we were watching it together and, you know, she also pointed out that as a as a young girl watching this, she didn't even realize how much it's dominated by this male perspective. But it, it, you know, she was able to relate to the characters and to do all those things. But, but now I, I, it's like there's a new awareness about these things now that wasn't there before. And so because of this dominant male perspective, 
Also, there's a lot of objectification of women. You know, the references to women are about wooing them with poetry. <laughs> you know, right, other than right. being objects of wooing with poetry, there's not much else. There's not a lot of other roles for women <laughs> in this movie. Right, right. They're not writing the poetry. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not showing really any sort of ability to do anything except be wooed by, by yes. poetry. In fact, right. there's just, there's some resistance, but it's, you know, it's relatively small amount of resistance to the poets. Right. Yes. And another thing that, that viewers would probably notice is there's a moment where one of the characters, without the consent of a girl, he starts caressing her hair. She's actually sleeping at the time or, or passed out. So it's a kind of what you might refer to as a Me Too moment these days. So we just want to point out, we saw that. We know it's there. You know? Right, right. And, right. and we don't agree with that. You know, we don't, we don't occur, uh, condone that type, of, that type of thing, even though we didn't right. make this movie, you know. <laughs> right. But, he, and he does, he does get beat up promptly right yeah, after that. Right, Although right. You, you pointed out that he gets beat up by the boyfriend because the boyfriend sees the, the young lady as his property. So it's, exactly. a, it's, right. it's not like a, a virtue, you know, right. some sort of virtuous response. It, it's right, a, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's not defending her humanity or individuality. <laughs> right. Right. He's, it's, he's, he's drinking and his friend says, that's your girl. Or, <laughs> right. You know, something along those lines. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think that basically does it. For... <laughs> can we talk? We can talk about the movie now. Now yeah, that we've let's, spent... <laughs> let's get to the movie. <laughs> spent a quarter of our episode time uh, <laughs> hedging. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go through this. Uh, we, we picked out some some of the prominent scenes of the movie, and we're also going to be playing the clips of those, the audio from those scenes. Yes, which we added audio to the uh, Stand and Deliver, too. We realized that would be a, a great addition, so we're planning right. that so, this time. Yeah. So if you listen to that episode, before we added the audio, we encourage you to go back and listen to it again so you can enjoy it with the audio. That's right. So the first scene that we want to talk about from Dead Poets Society is basically the first scene of the movie. And it's a ceremony where all, you know, so this is a prep school. It's called Welton Academy. And this is seems like a ceremony that they're having as all the parents are there to, to drop off their, their sons for the school year. And they're all gathered together in the chapel, I guess is what it is. And they have the bagpipes playing and kids coming in with the, with the banners that, that say the, the, the pillars of the school. So the, right. the, uh, which are tradition, honor, discipline, and excellence. Yes. And the, the yeah the headmaster of the school is giving a speech, and so that's what we want to especially focus on from this scene. One hundred years ago, in 1859, 41 boys sat in this room and were asked the same question that now greets you at the start of each semester. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Tradition, honor, discipline, excellence. In her first year, Welton Academy graduated five students. Last year, we graduated 51. And more than 75% of those went on to the Ivy League. kind of accomplishment is the result of fervent dedication to the principles taught here. This is why you parents have been sending us your sons. 
This is why we are the best preparatory school in the United States. All right, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) So what we just heard there was uh, Nolan, the headmaster, talking about why Welton Academy is the best prep school. And he mentions that it's a result of this fervent dedication to the principles that that they teach. What this made me think about is is that like this school has so much credibility in the eyes of everyone there, right? The headmaster is saying like this is the best prep school and you can see in the in the faces of the parents that they're happy and satisfied that their sons are going to the school and even uh, we see we have our first glimpse of of a lot of the characters, the main characters of the movie in this scene, uh but you can't really discern really any any of their rebellion that's going to happen later on. Right. You know, they stand up and they they say the four pillars. The only thing that's like not in harmony with all of this, I think, is is the character Todd Anderson, played by Ethan Hawke, which he doesn't realize he's supposed to stand up and recite them. But his dad, I think, his dad kind of nudges him and, and 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 tells him to do that. <laughs> right. He seems to be new. Like like the the school has a wide age of like range of students. Right. Aged from the very young to, to seniors in high school, and and he seems to be just showing up there. So right. Right. So that's why I think he doesn't know anything, and uh, he's also obviously very shy. That we get that in, that right. impression right away. Right, exactly. Although, and Nolan meant, uh, apparently his brother, his older brother, went to the to Welton Academy and and recently graduated from there or something because it was valedictorian, national merit scholar. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. right. And Nolan, the headmaster, when they're walking out and they, he shakes his hand, he mentions like you have. Big shoes to... F- I don't know if it's big shoes or yeah, great big shoes. shoes or to fill. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This didn't sound that impressive to say big shoes to fill, but I guess that's what? the expression. <laughs> what else are you going to say? I don't... Yeah, I don't know. That's... Grand I shoes? A, I just had a doubt there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good <laughs> now, shoes. <laughs> yeah. And now we'll have to look back at it. Yeah. Uh, one thing that this got me thinking about this movie and about connecting it to what we've been discussing in analyzing the role of the teacher and talking about schools and talking about the dynamics that are work at work in schools and in education is that here, you know, we've talked a lot about the institution, right? And here we have yeah. this, this example of uh, the institution of Welton Academy, and it has so much prestige, which gives it so much uh, authority and power, right? And right. meaning like the parents are ready to turn their sons over to the school to do what the school does, basically, you know. And and one thing, you know, we've talked about in past episodes is how schools can, to some degree, oppress students, right? Control them, you know, however you want to say it, in either their more extreme way or less extreme way. But it occurred to me that the more prestige the school has, the more license and, and, and authority it has to treat the students in, in whatever way it sees fit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the the uh, in contrast to Garfield High, right at with Stand and Deliver, where there's no prestige and the students right. are <laughs> pretty much doing what they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 like there's other dynamics there. Like for example, a student at Welton Academy is probably always one threat hanging over their head is being kicked out. Right. Yeah. And that would that comes up all the time too. Yeah, it comes up all the time, and and the parents would really be upset about that because. As we'll see, like Neil's father, for example, you know, mentions this to him, how much he sacrificed to give Neil this opportunity to be at at Welton. Right. So there's a lot of pressure here just to to basically submit to the school, you know, that the school allows you to to 
to stay there, right? Allows you to continue being a student there. Yeah, and and I think the the school, you know, the the threat of being kicked out of the school is something that the kids are obviously worried about, but they're worried about it because because their parents are yeah. worried about it. They've like right. they've instilled this in them, and and I think this and the the parent student relationship that we most get an insight into is is Neil. Neil Perry and his father. Right. So that's uh, uh, conveniently that takes us to the next scene we want to talk yes. about. Yes. Thank you, Sean, for that. Yeah. For that segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next scene is after the convocation is over, the ceremony, and it seems that most of the parents have left. Right. So the 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 students are all going to their dorm rooms. So we have this group of friends who are the the main characters of the movie. Basically, the scene takes place in the dorm room of of Neil Perry and Todd Anderson. So Todd Anderson, right. we already mentioned, he's the shy kid. Neil, he's the one later in the movie who commits suicide. And then we have other characters come in. We have Charlie Dalton, uh, Knox Overstreet, I believe, is also in this scene, and and Meeks, Stephen Meeks. Right, right. So they're all gathered in 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 the room of in this dorm room, and uh, then there's a knock on the door. And it's and they're Neil. smoking like yeah they're, well, yeah. they're sure the parents are gone because right. they get out the cigarettes right yeah and then Neil Perry's dad knocks on the door he comes in and so in this scene we see how strict Neil's dad is because he's upset that Neil has signed up to or he's part of the what do you call it the editorial team of the school annual it's not the newspaper right it's the, like the yeah year, but... I think it was called the annual yeah the annual. So he's telling Neil he has to drop that because he's worried that his grades are going to suffer because he's going to be busying himself with these extracurricular things. Uh, I'm sorry, my name is Stephen Meeks. Oh, this is Todd Anderson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Charlie Dalton. Knox Overstreet. Todd's brother was Jeffrey Anderson. Oh, yeah, sure. Valedictorian, National Merit Scholar. Oh, well... Welcome to Helton. It's every bit as tough as they say, unless you're a genius like Meeks. He flatters me. That's why I help him with Latin. And English. And trig. Sopin. <laughs> Father, I thought you'd gone. Mr. Mr. Sir. Keep your seats, fellas. Keep your seats. Neil, I've just spoken to Mr. Nolan. I think that you're taking too many extracurricular activities this semester, and I've decided that you should drop school annual. But I'm the assistant editor this year. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Neil. But, Father, I can't. It wouldn't be fair. Fellas, would you excuse us for a moment? you ever dispute me in public, you understand? Father, I wasn't disputing After you. you finished medical school and you're on your own, then you can do as you damn well please. But until then, you do as I tell you. Is that clear? Yes, sir, I'm sorry. You know how much this means to your mother, don't you? Yes, sir. You know me, you're always taking on too much. Well, let's move on. Allison, you need anything, you let us know, huh? Yes, sir. Why doesn't he let you do what you want? Yeah, Neil. Tell him off. Couldn't get any worse. Oh, that's rich. Like you guys tell your parents off? Mr. Future Lawyer and Mr. Future Banker? Okay, so I don't like it any more than you do. 
Well, just don't tell me how to talk to my father. You guys are the same way. All right, all right, Jesus. So what are you going to do then? What I have to do, drop the annual. Well, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over it. It's just a bunch of jerks trying to impress Nolan. I don't care. I don't give a damn about any of it. The, the way they insert this is, is the dad comes into the room and is just willing to say he doesn't want to speak privately to his son until things get embarrassing, right? Right, right. And, and so there's this real power play over, over Neil's agency as a person, Neil's ability to choose for himself. And, and Neil, by, by every bit of evidence we get in the film, is, a, is an excellent student. He's able to keep up with all sorts of demands. Right. Uh, and he just wants to do something that he's interested in. And his right. dad, yeah, his dad's removing, he's removing the thing. He, he systematically is removing things from Neil's life that are interesting to Neil. Right. Yeah. And interesting, like, also it's worth noting that, that the way Neil is portrayed is as a very dutiful son and respectful son yes. as well. Yes, You know, like, there's, a, you know, you don't get any indication that, you know, he seems to want his dad to be happy with him, you know, and he seems to like his dad and, you know, and all those things. But, but yeah, this is a real scene of frustration. And, and I think what's, two things are interesting to me worth noting here. One is that we talked about how the school, Welton Academy, prides itself on discipline is one of its four pillars, right? So it's already going right. to be a strict school with, with a pretty, rigorous program that doesn't isn't going to allow a lot of freedom for the students but it's the point here is that Neil's dad is even more strict than the school right because something that the school doesn't have any problem with Neil participating in the dad is coming in and saying no this is too much right. and you have to you have to drop this and the second thing is that Charlie Dalton and Knox Overstreet are, are eavesdropping when when Neil and his dad go out into the hallway and, and his dad kind of chews him out you know and says don't dispute me in public and after the neil's dad leaves they come out and they say you know as we heard <laughs> so i guess i don't need to like describe everything that happens <laughs> but when they come out and you know and they're trying to they're trying to give neil a hard time or encourage him whatever uh, and he points out that that they wouldn't do that with their parents either right, right? so we get right. this picture of them all being kind of tightly controlled by their parents expectations right right and and i think the contrast it's also important to realize that the contrast is set up already that these students have a desire to do things for themselves right prior to meeting keating prior to all of that because they're finding ways to in this really rigid society do whatever they can to show their own independence which is why they're smoking and it's and it's also why Neil was doing his extracurriculars. Right. Even though that was, you know, these are things that for the tightly controlled student are ways of, of, of expressing. And, and so Keating is, Keating is just, is just comes in as a teacher who understands this situation of the students. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when his approach, uh, he's, he's the adult that they encounter who has an approach that is to return agency to the students rather than right. uh, disciplining their agency for for the institution and for the parents. Right. So this would be a good time to listen to the, the audio of the first scene where it's their first day in Keating's class when they meet Keating and he gives his first lesson to them. So what we're going to hear is uh, the, the students are all sitting in Keating's class and he, he comes out of, which I think is his office. It's like in the at the front of the class. And then he walks through the class. Is he whistling? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so, I, he's whistling. Yeah. He keeps it's, it's eighteen twelve overture Tchaikovsky. Right. He, he okay. whistles that often. Right. So he walks through the class out the door into the hallway, and then he peeks his head back in and he tells them, "Come on, you know, like uh, what are you waiting for?" Kind of thing. And they they follow him out into the uh, into the hallway, and they go into the front hall of the school, and there's a display there with pictures of, I guess, all of the alumni of the school, but in particular, you know, the earliest classes of graduates from from Welton Academy. So there's these black and white pictures there of, of these. This, so this, we didn't mention that this movie is set in the 1950s, right? Right. And, but these pictures, so I'm, I'm guessing the pictures of these, these graduates are probably from the 1800s. I forget how long the, the headmaster mentions how long the school has, has been established, but I don't remember. They're pretty old pictures. <laughs> so yeah. it, I think it's safe for them to assume that that these people are are deceased by right. this point. Let's go ahead and, and listen to what he says to them. Now, Mr. Pitts. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts, where are you? Mr. Pitts, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. the virgins to make much of time? Yes. The one. <laughs> Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it?
So carpe diem is <laughs> is introduced <laughs> yeah. in this scene, and that's the that's the thing that really drives and gets behind a lot of the students, especially Neil's um, motivation is to seize yeah. the day, seize the day, do the thing that you can do today because soon enough you'll be a pitcher on the wall or you'll be fertilizing dandelions. So make sure that your your life was worth living. Right. Um, and so he, he puts this in there and I think it sort of feels, uh, we talked a bit about this, it feels like introducing a bit of chaos in the order, but yeah. I think it's because his liberation, his attempt to liberate their thinking is so profound to them that yeah. they, they they just they kind of explode in certain ways, like in these. Right. Yeah. You know, like I've been thinking about this and, and even just right before we started this recording, we were talking about this. What kind of liberation is this exactly? Like, where is he trying to take them? Where is he trying to guide them? Right. And even b- before we started recording, for me, it hadn't been resolved, but just you know, as we've been discussing uh, now, it, it occurred to me that, you know, like you mentioned in that scene where we see the the students in the dorm room alone, now their parents have left, right? And we get that first sense of them having their own passions, right? That that they're not right. just these subjects of Welton Academy, you know, who are just ready to, to submit to the institution. So there is that, there is something there inside of them, right? But I think at that point, and actually, yeah, this is what that scene after Neil talks to his dad, what it shows is they're all resigned to the idea that all those things are just going to have to wait until they're done with school, until they're done with everything that their parents expect from them. That's when they, they could maybe start living the way they want to live or doing the things that, they, that they're interested in, right? Right. That's what this, yeah, I just, I just realized this, Sean. <laughs> 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 but it's so obvious. <laughs> so, but that's what the carpe diem is, because he's not telling them to become interested in things, right? He's not telling them to have passions because they already have passions. They already have interests. Right. He's telling them to act on them now. Don't wait. Yeah, yeah. Right. Don't think that that like, you know, your time at Welton is just is going to pass and then you'll have all this time to yourself and you'll be free or something like that. You know, don't wait for freedom. You have to seize the freedom today. Right. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> kind of feels <laughs> like it ties in with what we've been doing on the podcast, too. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It could, because the societal expectations, the group expectations does kind of have that tendency to control you in that way of, of saying, worry about what we tell you to worry about right now. Right. Those things that you care about, those need to wait until later. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and and, I, and the, all the students kind of take it in uh, differently. I think that the students who've been to at Welton longer immediately respond to this. Certain, right. certainly Neil and is it Overstreet and Dalton. Yeah. Uh, so those three immediately are you know passionately. How do we do this? Todd Todd Anderson is a little bit slower to uh, I mean he's he's still adjusting I think he's uh, you get the sense that you're it's it's tough to read what his his passion is right but you get a sense that there's something important operating under the surface there he just doesn't know how to express it or maybe what it is just yet yeah and and some of the ways we can see like I think Knox Overstreet pretty quickly decides that you know his passion is a girl Right, that he meets right, when he right. when he goes for dinner. That he just randomly sees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my wife pointed out that you know he doesn't know anything about. There's no sign that it's her his, her personality that he's right. attracted to <laughs> or anything right. like that. Right, <laughs> she's the most beautiful girl I've seen. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and so that becomes his carpe diem for the rest of the right. movie. 
pretty right. much. And yeah. uh, Neil, it's not too long after this in the movie, I think, that he comes and he tells Todd, who's his roommate, he tells him about this play, that they're having open auditions for it, and that his, you know, it becomes clear that this passion, this way he's going to seize the day is through acting. Yeah. Charlie... Dalton, he's the one who was basically the rebel from the beginning. So this kind of just seems to give him license for some further antics, you know, and hijinks and <laughs> yes. uh, shenanigans that that maybe he would have had the tendency to do anyway, but he just decides he's going to go ahead and have his fun. Right, right, yes. Yeah, up to and including his name change to Nawanda. Nawanda, right. <laughs> right. Which, uh, Which I was always so disappointed because he builds up to this name change and it's Nawanda. Yeah. But right. uh, the more yeah. I say it, the more I appreciate it. The more I say it out loud. <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> right. Like the poetry that is yeah. to be read yeah. out loud. Yes. Yes. So yeah, so this is this is his this is the liberation that that Keating is is, is trying to bring to them, which it's really amazing to me. Like I said, like I just realized this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I have no no words to say about that. Except yeah, <laughs> that, uh, I'm I'm glad we've gotten there. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is one thing that we're always aiming for is these are these authentic moments in our, in right. our podcast. So this was an authentic moment <laughs> yes, of realization. Yes. So yeah, there's a lot of places, a lot of things we can discuss from the movie here, <laughs> Sean. So <laughs> why don't you take us? <laughs> Ta- you want, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can take us in a, in a certain direction. The, so the, the immediate thing that we see is, is Keating takes them into, and then it's like first class, first class is inspiring. Who, who among us? who are teachers who have not done the inspiring first day. And then day yeah, two, it's yeah. like, let's hit the text, guys. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. That <laughs> and, became uh, my, my specialty. I tried to stretch it out to about a week, an inspiring <laughs> first week. <laughs> like, uh, like a week of inspiration. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then, then it's like, yeah, that's why now you'll come into this with energy. So it right. takes him to class the second day. I guess it's the second day, and they're reading the introduction to poetry by by Dr. Pritchard, Ph.D. And it's it's this way uh, Pritchard's talking about this way of of uh, determining uh, the value of a poem, right. and it's it's this mathematical approach, and um, actually appeals to me a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but but it's it's obviously the source of. Uh, derision by Keating and he has them rip out the introduction and and another teacher sees this through the window while Keating has stepped into his back office and the the, right. the other teacher the Latin teacher comes in and and starts to shut it down and then he sees Keating who who's a person he seems to respect but this prompts a later discussion at dinner the mashed potato dinner right, where right. <laughs> where Keating is just like loading up his plate with mashed potatoes the whole time he's talking <laughs> And uh, the Latin teacher is criticizing him for making the boys think that they're artists because right. they'll resent they'll resent him later when they realize right. that they're not artists. Yeah. And and he he gives him a, a quote from Tennyson about uh, give me a man unfettered by foolish dreams and right. I'll give you a happy man or something like that. A- anyway, yeah. I guess we might play this clip. Yeah. <laughs> to which Keating <laughs> responds with his own poetry about. Yeah, I'll let you recite that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just listen to the the, the audio from the <laughs> that's good. From the that's scene. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Tennyson sticks.
Quite an interesting class you gave today, Mr. Keating. Sorry if I shocked you, Mr. McAllister. Well, there's no need to apologize. It was very fascinating. Misguided though I was. I think so. You take a big risk by encouraging them to become artists, John, when they realize that they're not Rembrandts, Shakespeare's, or Mozart's. They'll hate you for it. We're not talking artists, George. We're talking free thinkers. <laughs> free thinkers at 17. <laughs> Funny. I never pegged you as a cynic. Not a cynic. A realist. <laughs> show me the heart unfettered by foolish dreams, and I'll show you a happy man. But only in their dreams can men be truly free. Twas always thus, and always thus will be. Tennyson? No, Keating. Okay, yeah, so one thing I wanted to mention about this scene that was kind of surprising to me, and at first I thought it was just bad writing, but maybe maybe it's not, is that the 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 Latin teacher, how does he focus in on this idea that you're convincing them that they're, what is it, that they're artists? Artists, is, yeah. yeah. I mean, where did that come from? Because in the scene, all you see is him walk in and they're, they're ripping the pages out of the book, <laughs> right? And then he walks out. So this either shows how insightful the Latin teacher is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or, or it was a kind of oversight. You know, maybe like in the original, you know, filming of the movie, <laughs> there was like another scene where the Latin teacher observed him, like trying to get them to write poetry or something like that. Yeah, well, I, I, I think there's enough context there for like teachers and, and teacher world who see teachers who come in and do radical things. And there's a lot right. of assumptions that... And uh, yeah, I understand what you mean. Maybe he doesn't have enough evidence, but there's also <laughs> in, in teacher world, there's a lot of judgment without right yeah. <laughs> without evidence anyway. <laughs> yes, it's kind of like <laughs> say the whole. I, I'm gonna stop because I'll get too cynical too quickly. Okay. But okay. but we've all done it. I right, think. <laughs> right. Uh, we do it to each other all the time. I think yeah. so. I, I think that's what we were seeing there. Right. Right. And in the end, we have to mention that the scene ends with the Latin teacher smiling. He's ple- he's amused by Keating reciting his own uh, poetry and and impressed. So it seems like they're buddies at the end of the. It scene. does, and and you see that later in the film where where Keating's on his way out, and the Latin teacher has taken his boys outside. Yeah. Not to not to do anything except a a nice conforming march right and reciting the declensions of whatever noun they're going through but the he does he does wave at keating sort of as like inspired by keating slightly <laughs> right <laughs> right and there's another scene where they're having tea together having tea and a smoke together in the in that's, keating's that's office right, yeah. i think which actually yeah that comes at a, you know it's another it's the beginning of a of a pretty important scene which is after, you know, we mentioned how Charlie Dalton, he takes the Carpe Diem and this inspiration from Keating. And, and in the meantime, the, the students have also reformed the Dead Poets Society, right. where they go off into the, into the woods and there's a cave. They call it the Indian Cave, I believe. And they, they meet there and, and recite poetry. But Charlie decides to, I think he wrote an article for the school newspaper and it was published about how Welton should become co-ed. They should admit girls, right? Yeah. And it's a scandal, and they have an assembly, and the headmaster is, I think, you know, he's kind of threatening, like, we're going to, you know, find out who did this or whatever. So Charlie Dalton pulls this prank where there's a the, there's a sound of a phone ringing. I don't know how he pulled this off, but this movie, <laughs> it's Hollywood magic. <laughs> but there's a phone ringing, right? And then everyone's looking around, and, and 
Charlie stands up and he's got a phone in his hand and he, you know, he's he's holding the receiver and he's holding it up to uh, to Nolan, the headmaster, and he says, Nolan, it's for you. It's God. He says that Weldon should admit girls, you know, <laughs> or something. <laughs> and so he gets in trouble for this. And there's this really brutal scene where he's receiving, uh, uh, you know, spanking. <laughs> yeah, paddling. <laughs> paddling. <laughs> it's called a paddling. Yeah. There's a really... Yeah. You don't. <laughs> Where he's being paddled. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. So that's all to set up this, this scene. We're going to actually listen to this audio of when Nolan comes to talk to Keating in his room, in his classroom. And here we hear Nolan remind Keating basically of the approach of the school and Keating's reply to that. Excuse me. May we have a word, Mr. Keating? This was my first classroom, John. Did you know that? My first desk. Didn't know you taught, Mr. Nolan. English. Long before your time. It was hard giving it up, I can tell you. I'm hearing rumors, John, about some unorthodox teaching methods in your classroom. I'm not saying they've had anything to do with the Dalton boys' outburst. But I don't think I have to warn you, boys, his age are very impressionable. Well, your reprimand made quite an impression, I'm sure. What was going on in the courtyard the other day? Courtyard? Yeah, boys marching, clapping in unison. Oh, that. That was an exercise to prove a point. Dangers of conformity. Well, John, the curriculum here has said it's proven it works. If you question it, what's to prevent them from doing the same? I always thought the idea of education was to learn to think for yourself. At these boys' age, not on your life. Tradition, John. Discipline. Prepare them for college and the rest will take care of itself. So one question that comes to my mind with this is, what was Keating thinking when he took this job at Welton Academy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, how many places? Yeah, yeah. How many places has he tried to pull this off? Because he's coming from <laughs> right. London, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They mentioned that that he was teaching in London at some prestigious school before this. They mentioned that he's a graduate of Welton. He was an honor, you know, like he graduated with honors, I think. And there's a scene where the 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 students they find the yearbook from his from his graduating year and they read his what do you even call that <laughs> profile? Yeah, they find they find his profile pic <laughs> and they read his profile. And now I don't know. Again, is this just? kind of an oversight of the the story writing that Keating here, we hear him explain what he believes education should be. And and he seems to have really thought that this would be compatible with with the approach of Welton Academy, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to point that out that like <laughs> this kind of hurts his credibility a little. Either either he was coming into this thinking that like he had he really had this naive expectation, even though he knows the school very well, right? Or he felt that this was something he had to do. He knew that it wasn't going to go over well. He knew that it was going to cause problems, but he did it anyway, right? Well, I, you know, and I, I think there's a there is a, <laughs> a thing that you do as an educator, and and who knows if Welton had a teacher like this when Keating was there. But I right. think there's a thing you do as an educator when you're really sensitive to the students, which is you you know gauge where's their you know where's their discipline level, where's their liberation. You know you you look at these things in terms of mediating between the individual and society, like we talked about with stand and deliver, where right. 
Escalante's job was totally different, which was to bring discipline to to complete disorder. Right. Whereas Keating seems, you know, it's possible that had he shown up and things seemed a little more balanced in terms of those expectations from the outside and the and internal drives from the student, then he might have not come across as so radical or had to have been so radical. Right. And so he might have been doing it as a, I guess what I'm saying is it could have been an ethical choice right. for him to go about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it just occurred to me like also another way of understanding, you know, how he could get himself into this situation. And actually helps me, what helps me to arrive at this is thinking about my own kind of mentality going into, you know, in the two schools that I've that I've worked at is that I think if we imagine Keating, he was, he was probably focused completely on the students and thinking about as a teacher at Welton, what those students would need from him, right? right. What he could bring to the students and not thinking of himself as an agent of of the Welton institution, right? Or, or at least thinking it, this is a this is an educational institution which is uh, established for the good and learning of these kids. And I know what they need. I know what these you know I've I've been where they've been. I know what they're going through. So I know what I can bring to benefit them, right? Yeah. And I and it's it's very possible that, you know because like for me when I when I started teaching in the you know in the public high school where, where you and I taught going into it like I w- it, I did it in complete good faith, right? It, I didn't have any idea that I'm going to go in there and be subversive or, you know, liberate these kids <laughs> from this oppressive system or anything like that. You know, I just thought right. this is a school. This is a place of education, learning. I want to be an English teacher. And as an English teacher, I know what I can do that's good for these students, right? And I just started doing that. And, and I started learning, you know, getting a better idea of what I needed to do and, and what I should do. And very gradually, the situation became more and more to where what I was doing or my approach was at odds with the approach of the institution, right? Right. Uh, but it's not like I started off thinking that would happen that way, right? And I, I think there is this kind of sense of when you're when you're in the field of education, no one really owns that practice, right? It's it's a sort of like it's a higher calling than than what any school, any one school or any one institution is 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 doing, right? So there is a sort of right that an educator has to do what's best for the students, even if it's in conflict to some degree with what the institution is doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Now, yeah. as as for Keating, <laughs> the man who, who quotes himself, and also we should uh, realize when, it, when he tells the kids they can call him, oh, captain, my captain, it's from the Whitman <laughs> poem to Abraham Lincoln. So right. uh, <laughs> he's not lacking. He's apparently not lacking in confidence. Uh, and perhaps that's, you know, sets us up to, to maybe question whether or not he does go too far with these students. Right, yeah. And and of course the fact that we already know that this is leading to a tragic outcome, right? Raises that question. Like this is one of the central questions of the movie is is whether he what he did was ultimately a mistake, right? Whether right. he went too far and whether did he guide Neil to you know, this tragic end. And and the other students also, you know, like Charlie gets expelled. Right. Right. And and then the and then even the students who stay at the school, they're kind of broken in a way, right? Because they were on this path of liberation, then this thing happens and the school brings the hammer down on them, forces them to sign uh this paper and 
we can listen to this this scene where Todd Anderson is is called into into Nolan's the headmaster's office and he's forced to sign basically a paper which blames Neil's uh, suicide on Keating. Right, right. Yeah, and and it is like it's it's it is a central question. I think it's it's important to realize that the the writers do make two efforts at least to show that Keating advises Neil to speak honestly with his father. Right, right. Uh, which which Neil just lies about doing right. and to because Keating. He, he, Right to Keating, he, he right. lies to Keating about doing that, so that he so that he feels that Keating will give him his blessing, and so right, you know, there's a, a real confusion of, of of authority there for Neil, and 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 I think like the the filmmakers obviously are showing how this these actions exonerate uh, Keating right. um, from the from the, the from the actions of Neil uh, nevertheless the whole thing is a reminder of how real this is so that these are people's lives that we're dealing with and in some ways the safety of the institution the discipline the the normalcy of it is about not taking risks, even though yeah. it might seem like this high, rigorous, like this intense, rigorous, important education. Uh, ultimately, this is a an institution that doesn't want to take any risks with lives, right, uh, or right. with with futures, I should say. Right, and so you know, one question also that we can raise here is is which of Keating's students actually are the most successful, right, in being liberated by him? Yeah, and and I think of course we can point out Neil. First of all, who's because of the the suicide, we could say for sure that you know this is not any kind of uh, success or what Keating was trying to guide him towards. But uh, and conspicuous conspicuously, Neil disregards Keating's most important advice to him about how he should handle the situation. Like you mentioned, that right. there's a scene where Keating is is telling Neil directly, like this is what you have to do. You have to talk to your dad about this before you perform in the play, right? And Neil says, you know, is there any other way? And Keating just flat out tells him, no, you know, this is what you have to do, even though it's hard. And, you know, like we mentioned, Neil doesn't do that. You know, so here we, we could we could say that Neil, as a pupil of Keating, was inspired by him, but didn't act on his most difficult and most crucial advice, right? Right. And then who else do we have besides Neil? Well, Nawanda. Nawanda, right? yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, he uses the Keating advice to, to really let loose his inner spirit. He doesn't want to be at Welton anyway. I think yeah. he's expulsion is is desired but i think that's you have the scene where where keating comes in and and really tells tells dalton nawanda that you know this is not this is not what seizing the day is is throwing away opportunities right Uh, and and so you get the impression that 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 he's not the the top (laughs) the top kid for keating (laughs) right right right. (laughs) Yeah. Also, and I would have to say that that scene surprised me. When yeah, me too. The way Keating handled that, uh, because he he started with the fact that he didn't think that was a good idea, and he wasn't happy about it, and ended with the fact that yeah, he thought it was funny. Right. He was amused by it. Right. Right. And yeah, that was a little surprising because this level of caution that Keating was expressing there, there wasn't any precedent for that <laughs> before that scene. Really. Right. Right. No. And I think that I think something's betrayed by by uh, Keating's statement that, you know, it's worth staying here because if nothing else, you get to participate in my class. Right. Uh, which which really, I think, should be read reversed is that the reason he wants uh, Dalton to stay is because he likes Dalton and he doesn't right. want Dalton to to leave. It's this uh, I, I think there's a, a significant confusion for Keating uh, in yeah. that revealed in that scene. Right. 
Right. And so maybe Dalton is, you know, Dalton could be his best student, but it's, right. uh, but it's not consciously acknowledged by Keating. Right. Yeah, and and it it does express a reality of of being a teacher, especially if you're if you're a teacher who's trying to challenge your students to get out of their comfort zone to, although I don't want to just leave it at that hackneyed expression. <laughs> I was trying to think of something better to say than that. Uh, but you're trying to, to challenge your students. To seize the day. Yeah, to seize the day. Right, there you go. Uh, if you're trying to challenge them to to push back against the group expectations to to be more true to themselves and to follow their passions and, and all these kinds of things that if, or, or even just to be more ethical than, than what's around them, right? Like you're just trying to push them to some, some kind of greatness. When you do yeah. that, there's that risk. And the, there, there can be a lot of doubts about what you're doing because you see that it, it, it does cause problems. Like, for example, you know, like kind of safer example that we talked about before is as teachers, you and I have both told our students, don't worry about the grade. Right. Just worry about the learning. And that's a pretty risky thing to say in, in, a, in a system <laughs> that cares only about grades. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, you know that there's a lot to be gained from from that, like for a student to, to not worry about grades. But at the same time, you're, you're kind of risking and, and hoping that if they stop worrying about grades, they're not just going to revert straight back to that after a few months or after a year and hate you yeah. for it. Like like the Latin teacher said. Right. Right. No, yeah, it's yeah. high risk. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you could say that, you know, the fact that Keating in that scene is kind of showing something that seems inconsistent with what he was expressing before could be a symptom of this, you know, him experiencing some doubts about, about what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> well, and that, yeah, and so those two students, Neil and, and, and Nawanda, they don't, you know, they're not in that final scene. Of course, like right. the, the most well-known scene and the scene, if in my memory, the scene was all of the students are standing on the desks at the end. Right. And yeah. turns out <laughs> it's about half. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was great. So I clearly had misremembered the tension that was still within the student body about the about the teacher. Right. Right. And the, and of the ones who do stand on the desks, most of them are, are relatively minor characters like Meeks, like Pitts. Right. Yeah. Even that even that one guy who did the cat on the mat. Poem, yeah, stands on the desk and he just kind of smirks. Like, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you you had something better than this guy, so right. <laughs> I'll stand on the desk. Right. Yeah. But so the only star you could say main uh, student of of Keating's left there is Todd Anderson, and and so this surprisingly, and you mentioned that the way Ethan Hawke plays Todd Anderson throughout the movie is is I think really well done. Playing him as very shy, as reserved. There's the one scene where where Keating gets him to improvise some poetry, <laughs> you know, after yeah, it's the a barbaric. Great scene. Yep. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> yeah. good scene. But here I think we can we can say that so Todd Anderson, he's also the, the one he's the first one to stand on his desk. He's the first one to say, Oh captain, my captain, to Keating as you know, as he's walking out of the room. Like you said, it's a really powerful scene. And I think this establishes Todd as as Keating's greatest success. Oh yeah. There, yeah. you know, from his time at, at Welton. But yeah, these are pretty mixed results though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they, are, <laughs> they are mixed results. Yeah, Todd is the one who initiates that dramatic ending yeah. and everyone else is conforming, right? So right. Yeah. it's uh, for sure, it seems like Todd Anderson gets it, right? Right. He, right. he gets what, <laughs> what was happening there. And to the extent that the other acts are, are 
good acts from uh, from the kids who appreciated him. But you have to realize there's this whole other side of people. Once you start seeing that conformity, there's a whole other side of the people who stay seated, which requires right. a, a significant act of will as well. Right. And so, yeah, the, the results are truly mixed in the end. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, I just yeah. really appreciated that scene all the more for the details of the, <laughs> of the students who did not stand up on the desk. Right, right. And the most notable one is is uh, Richard Richard Cameron, right? That's his name? Right, Cameron. Cam- yeah. Yeah, the, the most notable one is Cameron who... From the beginning, he resisted, and, and throughout, he pretty much resisted Keating. And what's ironic is he only went went along with the others because of peer pressure. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, when he has the chance to, to <laughs> when he's you know threatened with with trouble by the school, and he has the chance to blame it all on Keating, he seems to really relish that opportunity. Right. <laughs> to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a little it's a little upsetting. Old yeah. Cameron. And he's, I believe he's like covering his head when they're all standing on the desk. He's sitting down and with his hands over his head. Yeah. If I recall the image correctly. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Keating could have maybe given himself some insurance against that kind of loss and betrayal if he had counseled those other students that they shouldn't push Cameron into things that he doesn't want to do. They should let him <laughs> let him be an individual, too. Right. And not pressure him into joining the Dead Poet Society and all of that. Right. Because I think it's that resentment which leads to the betrayal later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's 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 a disturbing truth in the Latin teacher's cynical comment. I'm sorry, not cynical. He calls himself a realist. Yeah, <laughs> realist. <laughs> it, it is that there's going to be resentment. Right. And so the liberation of the artist comes with the resentment of the of the conformist, I suppose. I, I haven't really right. thought about how to articulate that in a clever way, but something along those <laughs> sure. lines. No, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're uh, we can end this. Oh, <laughs> there's one scene before we end this. Yeah. There's there's one scene, and it's sort of the it, 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 this is the thing that I think is it was impactful to me. Uh, the the final speech and and the midsummer midsummer's night midsummer night's dream yeah and, and this speech because I was thinking about this you, you know I I I know the I knew the play fairly well at one point and I reviewed it just to to sort of get it in my mind about like why did they pick this play yeah uh, you know you, you have all of Shakespeare and and a, and a bunch of wonderful scenes and right. and much of Shakespeare having to do with learning and and liberation. And and I think and, and I think this it's a good choice, obviously. Like it's 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 a wonderful contrast and and liberation for for Neil because it's it's such right. a, a free play uh, right. that's happening in this like dreamscape. Right, fantastical. And, yeah, it's fantastical, and and it it it's also it builds up to sort of this you know the plot is is kind of crazy. It builds up into this wildness, but it all it all comes together into this. You know, nice harmonious ending with the with happy characters in the end, and and well, actually, <laughs> it, it's in stark contrast right. to the to the ending of of the film. So it serves that as as that. But but there's this one line in the final speech where uh, Neil sees that his father uh, comes in and he thinks about. I mean, it, he's clearly troubled by his father showing up there, but he he pushes through and really does <laughs> yeoman's work. He does. Right. He does <laughs> 
he does a fine job with his with his role. Right. Uh, and he has this line, this this line, gentles. This is Puck speaking to the audience. This is so typical at the end of a Shakespeare play is, is to have this sort of director dress to the audience. Gentles do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. Uh, and so and that's the only part that I really need to focus on right here, right. because this if you pardon, we will mend, I think is such a, a profound statement about what it is to be a, a youth, yeah. right? Is to it's to go through this fa- like fantastic journey, right? Where where all sorts of shenanigans will unfold. Some within your realm of agency, some because other agents force the force it upon you. It's becoming a person in the world, and that that statement there is, I think, impactful and direct. You know, it's addressed to the father. I think in a, in a real way. Yeah, it's right. also, I think, addressed to anyone who is is trying to understand how to be toward a young person who is going through. Uh, troubles is is that this is this is a time for pardoning because we do grow like we do grow and we do become what we're going to become and so uh, i found it a really important line it's sort of what i zeroed in on and there's probably some obvious giant thing that i'm missing about (laughs) about this play being in there but i thought it was quite impactful when i when i started to really look at it so yeah 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 no i think that's a good that's an interesting interpretation and makes a lot of sense and especially yeah like yeah tying it into the mentality and the the needs of the young person basically what they need from from the adults around them right right exactly <laughs> and, and also i felt like it would get us back to the idea that we are a podcast about education not just <laughs> yes <laughs> not just about movies <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> on that note. <laughs> okay, Sean, well, come to the end of this movie review, and it was another super teacher movie, right. uh, which there are plenty more that, that we plan on reviewing, and as well as other types of movies, too, just so we don't yeah, you know, yeah. uh, trap ourselves into the <laughs> super teacher genre. We, we, did, <laughs> we did get a wonderful review on on Apple uh, podcasts and the person called out that we were doing super teacher movies and guess we felt like we should we should clarify that we might not even though we said we would just do super teacher movies we've already eliminated some other movies that we were going to do because they weren't super teacher movies but we still <laughs> right. think they're good we didn't realize anyone was paying attention to, <laughs> right. yeah, to yeah. our claim <laughs> yeah yes but then again if you're that person who wrote that that review we're you know you we're probably just overthinking your <laughs> your your expectation which is right. also very likely. Right. We probably we probably are and we very much appreciate the good feedback that yeah, you Yeah, so and, thank yeah. Yeah, and thank you to everyone who who uh, gave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or, or anywhere else. And as always we want to hear from from our listeners and get feedback so you can find us on Twitter at unexaminedED, uh, on Instagram at unexaminededucation and you can email us at unexaminededucation at gmail.com. And so Sean, thanks again. Uh, It was a great discussion, and I'm looking forward to the next one. All right. Thank you, John.